This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to all the way to work. David Vassay. of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona. Find the fine life. Please drink responsibly. We've got a great show for you today. Interview-based show, no doubt. Andre Ethier will join us from Parts Unknown on his world tour. Also, Reggie Jackson, that's right, Mr. October, had a chance to catch up with him before the first game against the Astros at Dodgers Stadium. And also before that game, I had a chance to catch up with Max Scherzer, who is making his Dodger debut against the Astros on Wednesday night. So all three of those guys will join us, and it's a one-stop shop for all those interviews, especially Reggie and Max Scherzer. You don't have to worry about downloading it anywhere else. I'll share it with you right here on this episode of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona. Batting leadoff, host of the Extra Innings Podcast, David Vassay. All right, we'll get into it with Andre Ethier in a little bit here, but since the Dodgers and Astros played at Dodger Stadium, the first night at Dodger Stadium was electric. Uh, as we record episode 18, it's the day of the second game. And last night at Dodger Stadium, just an incredible, I wouldn't even say playoff atmosphere. It was World Series atmosphere and Dusty Baker said as much after the game and it really was great to see the fans give it to Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa you know before the game fans were let in for batting practice and usually you have a few Dodger fans that are there but before the first game against the Astros as soon as fans were allowed into Dodger Stadium they were there filling up the pavilion filling up the area around home plate on the infield area letting Altuve, Correa, Gurriel hear it and once Altuve got into the batting cage a rain of booze came down and you had to turn around and look to see what was going on. And then all of a sudden there he is Jose Altuve in the batting cage and Dodger fans did not miss it. And once the game started, it was even worse for Altuve as far as the booze, as he stepped in as the first batter of the game. And in the pregame introductions, it was this man who incurred the loudest boos as he makes his way to home plate five foot five inch Jose Altuve and the fans are letting them have it and that was Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday on the call of course on Dodgers radio and you know what here's my take on everything that went down in the 2017 World Series of course everybody's upset because of the arrogance of Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and also um, the way that uh, Carlos Correa 
handled things. It was completely arrogant, and there didn't seem to be much remorse. So when it comes to all that, I can understand where Dodger fans were upset. But if you want to look at it impartially, there was uh, a situation in the World Series Game two against Marwin Gonzalez, an 0-2 count. Kenley Jansen facing Marwin Gonzalez. And from there, Marwin hit a home run, a game-tying home run. And instead of the Dodgers going up 2-0 to Houston, all of a sudden, they're tied 1-1, and the Astros are feeling really good about themselves going to Houston for three games. Knowing what we now know now, we understand why they were feeling so good. But let's be honest, Alex Wood was the only proactive pitcher that started any one of those three games in Houston to mix up the signs to throw off the Astros. And what happened? Alex Wood was the only one to win that game. And then if you want to fast forward to Game 7 of the World Series, There were, I've been told by players on the team, staff on that team, that there were warning signs that you Darvish was not up and ready for Game 7 of the World Series. He just wasn't. And there were warning signs the day of that game. And I, at the time, this is not a second guess, at the time, I felt like Alex Wood was the right guy to start that game. He was the right guy to start that game because the Astros couldn't find the baseball in his delivery also Alex Wood was was the smart guy in changing his signs so the Dodgers to me lost that World Series in game two first and foremost and there is no question about it that game five was stolen from Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers but they still had a chance to win it with all that being said And we'll talk to Ethier about it in just a moment. So that's how I feel about that. And we will continue with one of our great interviews from this week, the one and only Mr. October. Yes, Petros, I am here with one of the all-time greats, Mr. October Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters of all time this game has ever seen. He broke the Dodgers' hearts in 77 and 78, and he is now part of the Houston Astros and as an advisor to the owner, Jim Crane, the one and only Reggie Jackson joins us live from Dodger Stadium. Reggie, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Well, you read all of that that I gave you perfectly to the T. Just a little more on when you say great. More emphasis on great. I grew up a Dodger fan, Reggie, so I can't do it too much. I grew up a Dodger fan, too. I was a Dodger fan in the 50s. Uh, they, you know, they had the only black player, Jackie Robinson, for a long time. And then, of course, uh, Don Newcomb and Roy Campanella. And uh, I have a, a Jackie Robinson bat in my archives, and I have a Roy Campanella bat in my in my archives, and um, wow. a Ruth, a Mantle, you know, Jeez. and a bunch of stuff like that. But uh, I love the Dodgers. I've always thought that they were one of the great franchises and great brands. Uh, the O'Malley's bringing the team to Southern California. Peter O'Malley's a personal friend of mine. Uh, his wife Annette. Uh, it, it's just great people. We talk at least 
uh, you know, once or twice a month. Cool. And uh, if I have some questions or whatever and need some <laughs> mentoring, uh, Peter's a great guy. And uh, the, like I said, uh, the Dodger brand for me was, I really wanted to play here when I went to the Yankees in 77. How close was that? I thought the team was better suited for me. I hit well in the ballpark. The Dodgers always had good pitching, and they were right-handed. They had Lopes and Baker and Say and Garvey and and all these guys that could that, that could hit and Reggie Smith, you know, from both sides of the plate. And I just thought I would have a field day here being a left-hand hitter. Um, but I had made a deal with George Steinbrenner, uh, Al Campanis, I had uh, Maury Wills call me. And it was too late because I had shook George's hand. And my father was with me, and we shook George's hand, and, and he'd have never let my dad would have never let me go back on my word. And then it, I wanted to play here. Well, you played here, and you beat the Dodgers. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, where we're standing right here behind the batter's cage, it's the same view that you had when you did all that damage against Bob Welch and Charlie Huff. What can you say about those head-to-head -head meetings between your Yankees and those Dodgers? The, the, the great Tommy Sorda has, has, passed, has passed, but has left us uh, some great memories. But uh, let me watch a yeah. little batting practice here. But uh, I used to tell Tommy, he said, if I pitched against you, I'd strike you out. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you see this sign out there uh, in left center field? Uh, 76 Tommy, Tommy that's no that says Hollywood oh yeah I said if you'd have pitched against me they'd have changed that to Mr. October oh yeah I sure I'm sure that didn't go over well he laughed, you know we would laugh he said I'd have hit you in the head I said no you wouldn't have. no you wouldn't have. well how about that play where he got fired up in 77 yeah he always he always said I was a cheater that was in 78 in the baseline when okay. the ball yeah but he used to always call me a cheater well, those players from that Dodger team still talk about it to this day. They think you still threw out your hip. <laughs> yeah, but that's a piece of history. No, yeah. that, that's gone. Yeah. That's gone. I got the ring. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, you do. The, I, I dropped a couple bombs on you guys, too. <laughs> yeah, you did. The great Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, is joining us, Petros. I got to ask you, it's hard to ignore these, bull, these boos coming down when Altuve and Correa go into this hitter's cage, Reggie. What do you make of this, and what do you make about these two games between the Dodgers and Astros? Well, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the two best teams. Uh, really, the Dodgers among the top three teams when it comes to record in the league, and they really haven't hit stride. Uh, they still got a couple guys injured. Uh, they have, uh, obviously, a pitcher, you know, out and, and, and not, uh, not on his game, really. But the Dodgers have more to go to really get a full deck to play with. Yeah. You know, they're, they're playing shorthanded right now. Um, and, 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 and also, too, uh, they've got a couple other teams in the division there that that can beat them, you know. So they got to be on the game. But really, uh, with the Astros there, I you know work with uh, Jim Crane and the Astros here, and uh, I think we're a great team, and uh, I look forward to the two great teams playing together, and I look forward to. Uh, uh, two good games of baseball. What's it? What's the dynamic between you and Dusty Baker? You played against each other. You have respect for each other, and now you're navigating the ship together. I'd see. I'd say um, 
you know, just mutual respect. Uh, Dusty does a whole lot more than me. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. He's the guy navigating the ship. And then, of course, our owner's in charge and our general manager, James Click. Uh, we've got a great staff of people. We've got a great coaching staff. Uh, and I'm glad to be part of what they're doing and um, uh, just enjoying the baseball. Really, when they're playing well, then the job gets easy. Before I let you go, Reggie, hard not to tap into your baseball brain and the greatness of your entire career. Is there one thing that stands out to you the most over all the other great accomplishments of your amazing career? You know, um, David, I would say that the people that I've met uh, and the people that I've become friends with, uh, the guys like Henry Aaron and Willie Mays is still alive, Joe Morgan and Johnny Bench and Pete and, you know, Smitty, Mike Schmidt and the McCovey and those guys that I met, met and, and spent so much time with Brooks Robinson and Jim Palmer called the other day. Uh, Nolan Ryan and those guys and it's just a it's just a special club that you feel a part of and I'm grateful and thankful uh, the great Frank Robinson was part of my life and you know some of the other athletes and some of the other sports whether it be uh, Bill Russell or Dr. J the guys that have carved the way and, and paved the way um, for all minorities and you know to try to make the world a better place um, you know, so the, the game for me was about the relationships. Uh, it's a place where I can go back and, and be employed or be around or be invited to the game, be invited to dinner. And so um, it, it, I'm grateful. Thank you, Reggie, for the time. I got chills hearing you talk about those names because you are part of the great history of this game and you help promote this game and transcend it and cross over into mainstream. Well, David, thank you very much. And uh, your cameraman, Matthew, uh, <laughs> you, you we're wearing him out, I think. Yeah, I think he ran out of tape. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. How about that? I love Reggie Jackson. I broke my heart as a kid. I love Reggie Jackson. Wow. Now. What, uh, what an interview, Dave. I <laughs> what mean, a great guy. That was really cool. And I can't say thank you enough to Petros because it's his show. It's his successful show. And because I was filling in for Matt Money Smith, he did still allow me to conduct that interview. So thank you so much to Petros for being, as always, the most gracious and unselfish person to work with here at AM570 because it's his show. And it was really cool of him to let me just go after Reggie Smith and ask him a few questions before we had to hit the top of the hour for the pregame show. And that was the first time I had ever interviewed Reggie Jackson. And in fact, maybe only the second time I had even said hello or shook his hand. The first time I ever did that was as I was covering all the teams in Los Angeles. I covered the Angels as well. And I was in the Yankees clubhouse in the early 2000s, late 90s. And it was a who's who of stars in that clubhouse. And let's not forget, that's primetime Yankee days. Joe Torre, Derek Jeter, Tino Martinez, Daryl Strawberry, D Dwight Gooden, um, all those guys. And who's in there? Milton Burrow in the Yankees Visitors Clubhouse at Angel Stadium in 1999. And then who walks in? Mr. October, 
Reggie Jackson, and we crossed paths, and he was really nice to me and just said, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, how you doing? Quick hello, and we just moved on. But having that extended conversation, first time I've ever talked to him about those World Series games against the Dodgers in 77 and 78 was really special and really cool story to hear how he almost became a Dodger before all that. All right, so that was the first part of the exciting day, talking to Reggie Jackson. But how about speaking to Max Scherzer, who was on the eve of making his Dodger debut? That was a fun part of the day as well. So we saw the uh, images of you surprising Justin Turner in the dugout, and we also <laughs> saw Walker Bueller not leaving your side the entire series in Arizona. What was it like during those games and getting used to your new teammates? Yeah, coming over here uh, and just you know, I've played against these guys for a while, and you know, we we, we kind of you know have some friendships, uh, you know, coming through different times that we've come across each other. Uh, but now, now wearing the same, same colors, being on the same team, uh, it's just a different feeling, uh, different uh, different experience. So. Uh, for me, try to get acclimated as quick as I can to everybody here and uh, go out there and do my thing tomorrow. Max, you're not just another guy that got traded to the Dodgers. You're a guy that had a lot of battles against the same guys that you're in that clubhouse with now. I think back to the 16 NLDS, <laughs> the 19 NLDS. Mm -hmm. How different is it now after competing so hard against these guys to now be part of them? Uh, that's what baseball does to you. Baseball puts you, throws you curveballs, and does all these things. And you know, you know, like you said, for the past, you know, for me, for the past seven years, you know, been competing hard against yeah. the guys. Yeah, but I've, had, you know, this organization's really, you know, pushed me to the limit of what I got to do to be able to go out there and compete against them. And so, uh, to be able to join them and, and you know, come on this side and, and you know, get the experience of, hey, you know, this is what, this is how we prepare. This is how we think. Uh, you know, that only can make me better. With all due respect, you've had a lot of success in your career, but do you believe those battles against the Dodgers, even going back to your days in Arizona, made you a better pitcher? Um, I'll say it like this. Uh, you don't measure yourself off the worst. You measure yourself against the best. Um, and so when you go up there and you face the best teams in the league, you know, that, that's how you judge yourself. You judge yourself off when you face the best teams in the league. And so, obviously, the Dodgers you know, have been one of the best organizations here over the past handful of years. So, um, you know, I've always looked forward to the battles uh, of going up against the Dodgers because, uh, you know, if you can have success against, uh, you know, this group, uh, you can, you know, you're doing something right. And so, but if you, if you don't, on the flip side, you know, they're, if you're making any type of mistakes, you know, they can make you pay. I've seen it first, firsthand. So, um, you know, that's why it's fun to now come on to this side. Uh, the game of baseball is funny like this. You can, you can be competing against each other for seven years, and boom, you're on teammates again. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's baseball. That's the life of being in the major leagues. Um, you know, you know, we kind of have this idea that you're always going to be the Cal Ripken and you're going to stay on one franchise forever. And uh, that's not how it usually goes. Uh, you, you know, you're moving around the league you're, uh, from team to teams. And, you know, for me to be actually in seven years is a long time to be in one spot in D.C. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate that I had that spot to be in D.C., uh, but now I'm you know, just as fortunate to have another opportunity here in L.A. Max, uh, if I held up your resume and Clayton Kershaw's resume next to each other, they're almost identical. Can you describe the mutual respect that you two have had for each other over the years? Yeah, I mean, what he's done in his career is amazing. I, you know, I've, I've 
you know, you, 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 for what he's done, I mean, you got to study. I mean, for me, I've had to study him. You know, watch how he goes about his business and, you know, the things that makes him great. Um, you know, you, you watch all, all the great pitchers against the league and especially him uh, for what he's been able to do. So, you know, it can only be a good thing to be on the same team <laughs> together and, uh, you know, be on the same you know, same dugout and pitching together. Max, uh, what did it mean to you earlier this season before he was your teammate to go out of his way to – keep up the good word and the good name of Max Scherzer when Joe Girardi did that silliness. <laughs> he was upset for you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, that's just respect of veterans across the game. Uh, it could have been anybody else, but as long as for me, it's more of a sign of respect of how I play the game, what I, what, what I can do and uh, that I've earned his respect to, you know, speak up in that situation. Um, yeah, you know, I've said what I need to say about um, you know that situation. Um, he'll and, say it for you, and he'll say it for <laughs> me as well. So, you know, as veterans, we understand you know how this game should be played. You know, with it, how the rules should be played. You know, what, what should be going on, um, and the players usually know best. Max Scherzer is our guest. He'll be on the mound tomorrow night against the Houston Astros. And Max, you now have financial stability for you and your family. You have a World Series ring. Is the desire to win? the same at this stage of your career as it was maybe 10 years ago? Oh, of course. Uh, it's almost even stronger today. than it, it, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, it's the same. I mean, I want to say it's the same, but, I mean, it, it, it hasn't gone down in any which way. I'll just say it, leave it at that. Um, you come to the park, you're walking through those doors, uh, you're here to win. Uh, I, I've always treated it that way. And that's the easiest, it's the simplest thing. Uh, it's the greatest motivator, greatest everything is just to show up to a park and want to win. Um, and obviously in the, with this group, um, you know, we have a great shot to win. Uh, but it's going to take a tremendous amount of work uh, to go forward to, to accomplish the dreams that we have, and that's the Winter World Series. So you're the Rocky Balboa climbing the mountain in Russia still, not the Rocky Balboa training in a hotel ballroom with a live band. <laughs> it doesn't matter where I train. It, you, it, it's all about your attitude and how you, what you do if you go about it. Um, so you can put me anywhere. All right, Max. Thanks a lot for the time. Can't wait to see you on the mound tomorrow night. It should be electric. Scherzer debut with the Dodgers and, um, yeah, the Houston Astros, Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the time. All right, thank you. Max Scherzer, a great guy and a great addition to this Dodger staff who all of a sudden desperately needed Scherzer. And I know it was starting to look better for the Dodger rotation, but Clayton Kershaw is not even throwing a baseball anymore. And I'm not sure when he's coming back. I believe he will come back before the end of the season, but that's part of the reason why the Dodgers have signed Cole Hamels and have been on Cole Hamels for the better part of a month. They just needed Cole Hamels uh, a little bit more right now. And, you know, he's a guy that... Uh, was teammates with Chase Utley. Chase Utley was at his showcase to see what he had, and apparently Chase Utley said it was good enough. And at this point in time, Cole Hamels is a better option than going to a bullpen game without Kershaw, without Tony Gonsolin, because they don't have any other starting pitching depth. So that's part of the reason why I believe they are forced to sign Cole Hamels because of the setback Kershaw has had and the fact that Tony Gonsolin now is back on the injured list with that same right shoulder inflammation. So you already have David Price in the rotation. You don't have anybody else in the bullpen. 
You traded away Josiah Gray to get Scherzer and Trey Turner. So the Dodgers, and kudos to them for not trying to rush guys like Andre Jackson and Ryan Pepio just for an immediate need because that could set back their development. And the Dodgers have high hopes, especially for Ryan Pepio. My favorite. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... Uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Just kidding. DV is joined by Andre Ethier. All right, here he is, Andre Ethier. The first time, Dre, we have talked to you since Andrew Friedman pulled off the trades for Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, and Danny Duffy. I know we all talked about Max Scherzer, but were you surprised that they were able to pull this off? Yeah, I, uh, you know, glad to be back on after our talks we had last week, Dave. And uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot has happened, uh, even you know, across baseball. Um, you see some of these blockbuster trades. Uh, the Cubs officially, you know, throwing it in the white towel and and decimating their roster. Uh, you know, a roster that beat the Dodgers, uh, you know, not too many years ago for the chance to, to go to World Series. So, yeah, a lot of happened. But on the Dodgers side, right, um, I think we talked about last week, it's tough to make moves and add and, and subtract pieces. But I think it's even more tough to add big impact pieces. And, uh, yeah, I think you just got to give a lot of credit to uh, Freeman and that Dodger front office and, you know, the ownership group willing to – give up something, uh, you know, significant and getting a guy like Scherzer. And I don't think we can forget about uh, Trey uh, Turner there, but, you know, definitely Scherzer, who is that pitching piece that this team really needs after kind of how this uh, pitching staff has been uh, taking a lot of hits and a lot of lumps lately. Max Scherzer has had some NLDS battles against the Dodgers twice. One time you were on the team in 16 out there in Game 5 of the National uh, at Nationals Park, and then obviously 2019 at Dodger Stadium when Howie Kendrick hit the Grand Slam in extra innings to win that game for them. So uh, you've had your battles against Max Scherzer. What's it like to face him? Uh, it's, it's, it's as tough as it gets. I, you know, I faced, uh, Max Scherzer when he was back with the Dimebacks, uh, first coming up with them and yeah, guy with great stuff, but didn't have anything, uh, you know, was it uh, and that bat that was uncomfortable or something you had to work too hard. And then, you know, he goes over to Detroit there and, you know, really finds himself. And then all of a sudden he shows up there into, uh, the nationals and he turns himself into a, uh, you know, hall of fame caliber pitcher and, um, it's something where, you know, those at bats. I, I can remember having a face in a day game there. Uh, you know, hot as all get, in middle of the summer. I think it was right after the All Star break. I can't remember if it was fourteen or fifteen. And Scherzer's course starting that day, and I mean, slider was working, fastball was great, changeup was unbelievable. Um, and I can remember going up there and uh, you know hitting coach McGuire at the time and. Uh, you know, even Donnie's like, we just got to pick out one pitch, you know, whether it's you're going to sit on the, on a slider, sit on that, you know, change up. Uh, because if you're trying to sit in between, you're not going to have luck. And, um, I think that game, I had two hits off them, but two hits were off change ups, uh, down and away, uh, that I just kind of dinked one down the, uh, the third baseline. The other one I think was up the middle. And I remember seeing him the next day and he was like, really, were you really sitting on those pitches? And it was kind of funny because I really was, 
because I didn't think I, you know, I didn't have a chance against his fastball or slider that day. So I knew he wanted to probably throw me changeups uh, because I had success from off him in the pass off the fastball. And uh, sure enough, he threw those changeups. So yeah, it's a, it's a thing where uh, the guy has really good stuff, and sometimes you're successful. And I think he actually went to beat us that game uh, on to beat us that game. But um, you know, it's one where. If he's able to do just the normal Mac stuff, I think that we've seen on TV, he's going to be, uh, you know, that piece this team needs to kind of put it over the edge here. Uh, so, you know, especially down the stretch, you know, with these three and a half games back of San Francisco and uh, maybe that spark that this team needs also. By the way, you were eight for 24 in your career against Max Scherzer with one home run. It's incredible. You remember that game and those at bats. Do you remember your one home run off of Max Scherzer? I honestly don't. I, I, I don't remember any other at-bats but that game because that was one of the few times. And I think Strasburg pitched maybe the first game in that series or the game before that. And, you know, he has that great fastball, and I was on all his fastball. So I just knew, and maybe it was even that the game or earlier in that season we had faced Max, and he had challenged with fastballs, and I think I got a hit off of or maybe that was when that home run came. So I knew, had that in the back of my mind, that – he didn't want to throw me fastballs. He wanted to get me out with something else. And, uh, yeah, I just remember that time. But that's really the only at-bats I remember, uh, you know, facing him was because it was just, you know, it's sticking in my mind that I literally went up there and looked at one pitch because all his other stuff was that dominant and that good. And he had, he had such a great throw with it that I was just going to go out there and pick out one pitch to hit. And if it was around the zone, I was going to take a swing. And you mentioned that when he was with the Diamondbacks, it wasn't that much of an uncomfortable at bat, but how uncomfortable was it when he came back to the National League with the Nationals? Well, I I mean, there you go. I mean, it's something where, uh, you know, he's throwing a great fastball uh, inside, outside against left. There's, you know, a a back foot slider that's a a wipeout slider that, you know, he can throw for a strike or he's throwing it for a strikeout. And then that changeup, I mean, it blends directly into that fastball. Same arm speed, same slot. And it's very uncomfortable. When he's, you know, up there commanding all those pitches, it's, you know, it, it becomes a crapshoot. It becomes making sure you just put a good swing on a, on a pitch in the, in the zone and making sure you're on time. And, uh, you know, you're going to have a long day no matter what because uh, he's not going to give in. And I think that's, that's what's even more special about getting a guy like Max is not only the stuff he has, but I mean, how many times have you seen that one meme of him, uh, of him uh, sitting there talking under his breath, you know, about a throw a pitch <laughs> yeah. on the, on the, you know, on the mound and uh, him firing up that te- his team in the dugout there in 19, when they came back and, you know, beat the Dodgers that series, he just brings that fire, that excitement, that want to win. And I think that's something, uh, you know, that's going to add even more to this Dodger team and, um, you know, I, I don't think you can uh, put aside what Trey Turner is going to bring. Also, what a great quality player to add to this team for the long haul for the next couple of years. And then Duffy uh, just add another option at bullpen. So I think uh, these moves that the team made uh, were necessary and, and great pieces. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, props to Andrew and that team, you know, because Dave, how many times have we seen a, the Dodgers team or a team anywhere need certain pieces and they just end, don't end up being able adding them or don't do it for a certain reason? And it seems like the team went out and you know did it and and executed what they needed to this this you know trade deadline. 
Hey, they've been able to do it with you, Darvish. They did it with Rich Hill that one year and uh, Manny Machado another year. And now it's Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, and Danny Duffy. And they've done a great job of uh, giving the pieces. And now the players have got to play, Dre. It's not like the Dodgers were playing with the Sisters of Mercy on their team. They've had some really good players in their lineup, but um, the Giants have been just a little bit better, and I don't think that's a that's a bad look on the Dodgers. It just shows you how good the Giants have played together as a team. Yeah, because I don't think you you can't get past their lineup besides Busher Posey without knowing who anyone is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like who's who else is on that team besides Buster Posey? You know, and I guess Brandon Crawford. Yeah, but I mean, there's three or four guys that you actually know. And follow. I know they have a, you know quite a few young great players, but it's still yet to see how good and great they're going to be over their careers. So uh, you know, yeah, the Dodgers team has a team full of players that have had great careers and great team, uh, you know, and have have had great success. And um, you know, to be given up a little bit against the uh, Giants, you know, in these last two series, I, I'm going to double down again to. You know, it just concerns me when you're not winning those games head to head against a team that's right ahead, you know, right in front of you, uh, especially yeah. coming down to uh, two months in the season left here. You know, there's not, uh, you know, three and a half games is not big, uh, but you get, you know, you start slipping four and a half, five and a half, six and a half. Dave, we know how hard it is to make up those games when there's only two or three weeks because, uh, you know, a great thing that Joe Torre uh, would always say was, you know, for within striking distance, you know, one game a week, we're going to try to plug away at the end of the season, you know, with for down a certain amount. So you take that same uh, thing into account for, uh, um, you know, this team and, you know, you're four or five and a half games back of the, the, you know, Giants, you're hoping, um, you know, there's enough weeks on the board to make up those games. Hey, I like that. That's interesting. It makes a lot of sense because the Giants are not losing that much and there's only a little bit more than two months to go in the season. And uh, when you talk about the Dodgers, let me throw something at you, Andre, that not a lot of people have been able to answer. So maybe you have the answer for this. They have allowed the most unearned runs in all of Major League Baseball. 55 unearned runs allowed by the Dodger defense as we record episode 18 of the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. The Dodgers still have the same group of players, Andre. They have a lot of good players that play a lot of good defense. Uh, Can you tell us why that may be the case this year? Is it a lack of focus? Is it a lack of urgency? With the same players, why have they made so many errors? Uh, I know it's the big evil thing that no one ever wants to talk about, and both sides get you know upset talking about it. But it's, I think I think a lot of it has to do with those analytics. It really does. I think some of these defense that had a lot of success in the past here in the last couple of years have been successful and relied heavily on those analytical breakdown charts and positioning, all that stuff. And you know sometimes when those you know balls don't go to those same spots that they usually are, and, and players have to make plays that don't usually, you know, account for that or even plays that are hitting those positions that are not normally fielding positions, there has a tendency for things to go array. And maybe it's a, you know, a lot of average laws of, you know, whatever the baseball, uh, you know, ways of the games played. But I think it's just a little bit of it catching up to this 
uh, way this team's been defensed and in position, you know, the last have been so successful at doing it the last five or six years. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That seems to be the most uh, reasonable explanation I've heard from anybody because they're the same players and you know they care and it's not like they've become so bad overnight. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not, and it's not, David really isn't a knock against analytics or the depth. We just know it's a law of averages, right? Like if a guy is a two, you know, 50 hitter over his career, you know, he's played nine or 10 years and this year he's hitting, you know, 310, there's a good chance he's going to probably settle in right around that 250, 260, 270 mark. Just as he has, you know, they, he has a great, you know, baseline of statistics and, and you know, over his career to, to show what his average is. He might have a better year than not. But if he ends up hitting 300, next year probably going to have a good chance he's going to hit around that 250, 260 mark. That's just the general idea with defense. I mean, this game's been played for hundreds of years. You know, under these rules, under this way, defenses can change, stuff can change, but we're still not seeing players hit that much better. We're not still seeing defenses defense that much better because the game always averages out at the end. Yeah, let the players play. <laughs> that's all. That's well, what I and always it, say. And it's, yeah, and it's not even just that. It really is. It's, it's not like I'm knocking. It's just, hey, sometimes it's going to be better and you're going to have great stretches where it works out really well for you. And I think it's just, you know, it's, you don't want to say it, but sometimes that just tough luck play, that ball doesn't bounce your way and you're not getting it, and that's what it seems to be on some of those uh, you know, defensive plays that are probably happening that are, you know, end up in unearned runs. All right, Dre, speaking of analytics, you were part of the 2017 Dodgers that lost the World Series in seven games to the Astros. You actually were the only Dodger to drive in a run in Game 7 of the World Series. They're back in town as we drop Episode 18. The Dodgers and Astros have already played one game at Dodger Stadium. Uh, and I'm just curious from at this point in time in August of 2021, how does Andre Ethier look back at that World Series, yeah, the the it, it gets tougher to realize that you missed that type of opportunity. You know, you come one game away from winning a World Series. Um, you know, achieving that goal personally, achieving that goal as a team, as an organization, as a city. Um, you know, and then you just keep hearing the stuff that comes out of it, and you know the the way those guys and players react. To you know what came out of how they're doing it uh, and won. Um, yeah, it makes it you know definitely more bitter and, and more you know harder to stomach uh, you know because of that. But um, it's a thing where I think you know I, I this is a great opportunity last night tonight in this whole series for the Dodger fans to be able to get out there and voice their frustration against that team. I you know I don't think there should be any uh, you know definitely no no physical or any altercations going on in, in the standard of that, but you know, it's definitely an opportunity for them to go out there and express that frustration. Uh, you know, that, that Astros team and a lot of those players still on that team, uh, you know, took advantage of a way that the game was able to be played, you know, in 2017. And for, uh, for you, I was surprised to hear you say that it's uh, harder for you to swallow because it seemed like you had come to terms with it. The last couple of times I asked you about it, is it a little bit tougher as the years go on? Uh, well, yeah, that's what I said. I, I have come to terms with it. I've come to terms with it where, 
you know, I mean, what can we do? Can we really go back and change it? Even if we found out, was baseball ever going to change it? No. I mean, were they? No, no they so, were never going to change mean, just, it. They were never. I mean, we could have found out that they had every single pitch and found the smoking gun of how they're doing it, the, the trash can of what they're doing it with, all that stuff. You know, we could have found, and they still wouldn't have ever changed it. They wouldn't have put an asterisk on it because it would have been a black eye under Manfred and his team's, you know, did you teams, ever suspect you know, it? So, Did you personally ever suspect they were doing something going into that World Series? Um, yeah, you, I think we people knew because what made it really, really sketchy was when they showed up to town. Uh, it was in game six and seven there, and they're out there asking and looking and be like, how are you guys doing it? How are you guys doing it? Where, how are you guys cheating? How are you guys getting the pitches? Huh. And, you know, it didn't really register until that series was over. And then you start hearing more mumbles that off season about what was going on over there. Um, I mean, you know what? The biggest shame about this whole thing is obviously the slap on the wrist the players got, and then allow like some of the people who took falls for it, and some of the people who are allowed back in the game, like Hinch, like Cora, like all those guys who are allowed back in the game so quickly without having any type of big penalty. Because it, it is, it's cheating, and it's whatever you call it. There, you know, there's there's guys who, you know, and you hear it all the time. You're, there's guys who, um, you know, take performance-enhancing drugs, do stuff like that, and they can get bigger penalties than the players who are doing this for a whole season and change the integrity of the game. How about the players, the active players? It seemed like uh, the coaches, the front office, got held more accountable than the actual players that were participating. Yeah, that was uh, a messy situation and a shame that, you know, the players' union, you know, had too much of a sticking up for the players and what they're able to do on and off the field. And, um, you know, they got saved, I think, a little bit by the union and what was allowed to be punishable under you know all that stuff so yeah there's a lot of things in there i think this is like i said a great opportunity last night tonight this whole series for dodgers fans to definitely show uh you know their frustrations uh you know obviously not physically but you know by their booze and and jeering of uh the astros team and you know let them know that um you know we haven't forgotten and uh you know we're, we're still gonna go out there and have uh jose kelly uh, do his thing. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And can I say one more thing about that World Series? If Marwin Gonzalez is struck out or makes the out on an 0-2 pitch in uh, the ninth inning of game two, game you two? guys go yep. up 2-0 to Houston, and they could do all their cheating out there, and then you have two games at Dodger Stadium. So for me, the series was lost not in game five but in game two. And I say that all the time. That's why. That's why I can't blame it fully on that stuff. And I'm able to sit and be like, it, it, like I said, it gets more bitter that we didn't win, just for the personal fact that we didn't win. That you get that close. It doesn't matter the cheating side, all that. You know, it's just bitter that we didn't win. But yeah, you go back and you pick out one game, and it's like that game too. You, you are in the driver's seat. You are about to take it to them, have them on their heels, all that stuff, and then you have a heartbreak game loss like that, and the entire momentum and everything shifts to that series. So that's really tough to, to come, you know, and, and face, especially a team that has three games at home, you know, going, going you know, after that 1-1 one, one tie. So, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's a different ball game, different whatever, if you say there, 
a lot of things, uh, you know, ended up not going our way there, and including how we got out cheated or how they cheated us. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's one where I think for everyone involved with that team, it'll just become more and more of a wow. We just missed that opportunity to win, you know, a World Series in seventeen. And honestly, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, Dre, but the team that won the World Series in 1981 with Garvey, Lopes, Russell, and Say, and all those guys, they all say that wasn't their best team. Their best team was in 1977. And for me, this stretch of Dodger teams, the best team was 2017. And that's why, from an outsider's perspective, it's a disappointing situation because we all know 2017 was the best Dodger team that we have seen over the course of the last eight years? Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, Team in 18 was great. You know, they it wasn't the, as good as 17. Reds, but it was a great team. Real good team. Great time. 19 was a really, really good team. Just couldn't get it done. You know, 20 last year was a great team. I know there's a lot of stuff. They didn't have to get, uh, you know, a chance to go out there and play a full season and see all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased because I was on that team in 17, and it was one that was, you know, super cohesive guys that were pulling all for each other, um, you know, knew what the goal was and was trying to get it done. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, a very talented team, but this organization has been full of those for the last, you know, 12, 15 years. And um, I think there's been a lot of missed opportunities on how successful this organization could have been by winning a World Series over that 12 to 15 year time frame. All right, Jerry, let's end this on a high note. I just found the one home run that you hit off of Max Scherzer. And incredibly, it was when he was pitching in the American League for the Tigers. It was an interleague game, Dodgers Giants, June 21st, 2011, in your third at bat against Scherzer. You hit a home run to deep right field. At home? Yeah, and Juan Uribe was on base. Ooh. Big, big poppy. Big poppy. <laughs> there you go. That was your one home run off of Max Scherzer. There it is, yeah. I mean, I knew I'd been, I knew I'd been chasing his fastball for a while, so like I said, I knew he didn't want to throw me that, that fastball. He was going shape change up. <laughs> and uh, I got him that, that one game, and later on when he was, uh, you know, his dominant Cy Young winning uh, Scherzer in uh, Washington. Love it. And next week on episode 19, maybe I'll present to you my three best teams that Andre Ethier was part of, and you can tell me if you agree or not. I think that would be fun because I you mean, know I, mean, I think about I'll, I'll, these things often. I'm in. Let's do it. All right, Dre. Will you be back in Arizona when that happens, or are you going to be uh, somewhere on the Ponderosa? Uh, I'm not, I will be back home in Arizona. Uh, school starts next week, and uh, I know my kids are not looking forward to getting home. Uh, spend a little time up here in Montana uh, at a ranch, having fun, and uh, looking back. You know, looking forward to getting back and getting back into uh, them in school. And me coming out to Dodger Stadium the next two months for the closeout of the season. Wait a minute, you're in Montana. Have you seen Phil Jackson? I have not seen Phil. No, Phil has not seen a, a, a Bigfoot oh. Phil sighting. Feel free to look for Phil. It's like finding Bigfoot out there. I know. No, I'm I'm out here just uh, fly fishing and uh, eating uh, ribs and uh, huckleberry uh, sauce all the time. 
Okay, that sounds good. That sounds like a good time in Montana. Thanks, Dre. Yeah, we'll I talk mean, to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. There he goes, Andre Ethier, who's in Montana, enjoying a great life post-playing career and certainly deserves it. A lot of people don't understand uh, how much commitment these guys put in to reach the high levels of performance that Andre did, not only during his Dodger career, but everything before that. Arizona State, he didn't make it the first time. He had to go to community college and then get there. So it's not as easy as it appears once it's the finished product at 7:10 for a game. Thanks again for joining us on another great episode of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona. Thanks to Reggie Jackson, Max Scherzer, Andre Ethier, and to you. We will talk to you next week. See ya. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM 570 LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.